And you're very welcome to this week's edition of the Clash Act podcast with myself, Eddie Scally, and I'm delighted to be joined again by another hurling legend, this time down in Wexford, Mr. Tom Dempsey. Tom, thanks a million for taking my call this evening. Thanks, Eddie. Maybe the, the legend part of it is a little bit, uh, maybe you're exaggerated a bit there, Eddie, but it's absolutely great. I, I, I love your show on that. Sure, I love everything to do with Kilkenny except for the fact that the beat is so often Eddie they're, they're a great county up there and Carlow of course No they are no no two great counties and Tom I think uh, the goal in 96 All-Ireland Final will continue to give you that legendary status whether you like it or not I'm afraid that, that'll stick with it um, Tom before before I dive into your own career and and there is quite a bit I want to go through with you. Uh, just the last couple of years with the whole COVID scenario and everything, like what's life been like for Tom Dempsey? I know you do a good bit of media work, but in general, sporting-wise, how's life been for you? Asher, you know what, Eddie? Sport, in some ways, has been the saviour of a lot of people. You know, we had a little bit of a lockdown there for a while with the sport, but once my life is de- de- defined and determined by sport, Eddie, and I suppose if there's a junior match in... I don't know where I I I'll be at it. So, you know, it it has been very very tough, and 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 I feel so sorry for people that maybe have been isolated through it all. And do you know what? I'm going to just say something totally different, Eddie. In that, uh, it's not a subject that that really it relates to COVID. But this thing about, I mean, I I was at an 87th birthday party, would you believe, last Saturday before I went into Wexford Park, and. Uh, I was saddened. They were all talking about hurling and it was Maura White, lovely woman next door neighbour of mine here. Everyone was talking about the Wexford Dublin match and whatever. And I was leaving to go in to do a bit of commentary with Liam Spratt. And uh, the last I said to most of them was, will you be uh, watching the game? And you know what? Whatever amount of people were out on the front lawn having a cup of coffee or a drink, I'd say it was 80% of them didn't have access to Sky and uh, I still have a bee in my bonnet about this, Eddie. I think that the GA deserve no great compliments for not having games like that, games like Limerick and um, Limerick and and uh, Watford that evening. That they that they don't deserve great credit for not having that with a lot of ordinary people, Eddie. But anyway, that's that's breaking aside, Eddie. But the, look, the COVID was it was tough going for everybody, but. Please God, now we're we're over the worst of it and we're back, kind of full flow into the hurling. And, and just just on the on the on the COVID side, like like I I seen it with my own club up here in Kilkenny, like believe it or not, for me myself, obviously because I'm coaching teams and I'm outgoing a, a good bit with it. The, the, the four or five months or six months where there was none of that and I was trying to do training sessions via Zoom with the teams and all that I genuinely you know it, of all the things I missed it was the thing I missed the most and if you asked me five years ago what could I do without my life I would have thought you know sport would have been I, you know I could have done without it for five or six months I wouldn't go mad but when it was taken away from me I genuinely felt I don't know if I'd like to see another three or four months of me without it I know my wife and kids definitely didn't want another three or four months of me at home they were nearly getting drilled into it but for you yourself because you're so engraved in it like it must have been very difficult I know how much you love it like Ah, yeah. Well, look, Eddie, I, I'm living in Glenbarrington now, which is, you know, it's it's uh, kind of, I suppose, a new club, but I'm here for the last 20 years, but I'm a Buffer Valley man at heart, as you, as you know. But um, I just, it, 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 I, you know, the way we're all going to retire this year, and my God, I'm fed up with it now and whatever. And I think it brought back a little bit of the reality of how much it means to us, Eddie. You know, I'm a bit like yourself. I'm involved this year with a little bit with the 
uh, Glyn Barrington under 15 team with the Camogie under 16 team with the under 19 team I'm kind of nearly I'm nearly a nuisance going around the place but do you know what the first few nights back in the field it was just fantastic and just to be able to go back down and I, I start to appreciate it's probably one of the smaller things in life that you can go back and and um, you know you, you, you just go back to something that you love and it, it was a huge loss and I think the big thing for me if the pubs hadn't opened or if different things hadn't opened it wouldn't have made much of a difference but the GA pitches opening was very very important for me it's funny Eddie you were saying you, you never you never know what you're missing until it's taken away in your, your life I remember when Shawnee Flood you know Shawnee Tim's um, son he was injured for the All-Ireland in 96 I mean poor old Shawnee played the um, second half of the uh, All-Ireland semi-final with a fractured um, shin bone but I always remember Shawnee's a, a quiet fella very very good friend of mine but uh, he got up in the uh, dressing room before we left to go out on the field in the 96 All-Ireland and he said you know what he said that he this was this guy waiting all his life to play in, a, in an All-Ireland final he said you never know what you have in life till it's taken away from you he said and you know they were probably the strongest words I've ever heard in a dressing room and I think a lot of people kind of realised that for Covid as well and you know, you don't, you just don't know what you're missing or what you're losing till it's taken away with, from you. And, you know, we were very, very fortunate that we have the GA and we have that interest in life, really. Yeah, 100%. And, and maybe it's the reboot we all need that it gives us that bit of a kick in the arse to, to realise that things aren't as bad as they can be, you know. And, and yeah. you know, we're still... We, we're, we, we, were saying for, we were saying for a little while, Eddie, that uh, when we all go back at it, winning and losing won't matter uh, it'll be just being able to be at the matches but that kind of disappeared very quickly <laughs> <laughs> it. At the, fir- the first two games back you kind of said look it's great to be back and then it was this is a load of shit and it's time to uh, get rid of that fella you nearly have a referee or a poor un- unfortunate opposition by the neck and you're nearly going to choke <laughs> no, that's something you know what that passion will never die Eddie and please God it won't either you no know? definitely no I think it's, it's, you know it is and, like, I actually spoke to a guy a couple of weeks ago Tom and I thought it was a really interesting thing and he was on about soccer and he just said to me that soccer players are becoming brands the likes of Ronaldo Messi Pogba and he said that he fears that in a number of years 10 years time or 15 years time kids are going to be supporting players as opposed to clubs so if Pogba goes to AC Milan all the Pogba fans will then support AC Milan and so on and so forth and we were kind of because he said it to me about the GEA he said can you ever see a scenario where that will happen and I said well no because number one you have one club and you've only got one county, and that's it. You don't, you don't get anyone else, and, and and the rivalries will never die. But I think soccer will be a much poorer brand without the rivalries. Like you know, you don't. I don't know if it's just me, but I don't see the same rivalry with Man City and Liverpool competing for league that you would if Man United and Liverpool were competing for league because there's so many supporters out there. You know, the rivalry is what makes everything. It, it is Eddie and, and in fairness now I'd have a good old interest in soccer I'd be a big Liverpool fan a, a kind of an ABU Eddie I don't know if you fit into that bracket you know <clears throat> but but um, I, I don't think it'll ever happen Eddie because I think what I, you know I think most fans it's it's community and it's their place uh, that's the most important thing to them when it all boils down and when Suarez left Liverpool that time he became uh, hated rather than loved so I think that's going to happen the beauty of the LGA Eddie and, and I suppose Liam Griffin has been mentioning it all his life we have everything in the one place for us you know I mean where I was brought up Tony Dorn was the man now there was never any chance of Tony Dorn uh, transferring Towler to Ballock 
and if there was Eddie I think we'd have all had a heart attack you know so I think we have our players they can't really go to anybody else they have to stay with their own club They in, in the main most players have an incredible love for their own club and then you have your identity so I think the GA are unique in that way um, in that if God you know Wexford won an All-Ireland or of course Kilkenny have won so many All-Irelands but it's it's Henry Shefflin will be going up on somebody's shoulders a, a local Ballyhale man you know it won't be somebody that they're after importing from France or whatever so it is I mean we're a small community but it is a very very special community and I, I, I think I think there is I'd say Eddie there is certainly rivalries with clubs etc but there's nothing really to rival the rivalries that you have between clubs or counties within the GA really No I, I, I couldn't agree with it more just, just on one thing before I start really digging into your career uh, Tom you've been lucky enough to have won a club All-Ireland with Buffers Alley you know one of the most famous clubs in the country and you've also won a a senior All-Ireland with Wexford in 96 can I ask you you know when you're sitting down and you're looking back which one means more? You know what, Eddie, and, and it's always the question that, that's asked. And I, I'm very lucky. Again, I, I'm not going to talk about Tony Dorn all day, but Tony and myself, unusually, I mean, I wouldn't even put myself in Tony's category, don't get me wrong there, but he was a hero of mine, Eddie, you know, and, and everybody. He was he was the hero of my growing up era, if you know what I mean. And uh, we're both, Eddie, um, I think we're only the only two people in Wexford with both Club All-Ireland and senior All-Ireland uh, inter-county but t- I, look the All-Ireland senior hurling title I won't cut you Eddie it, it was something that I always wanted from the time that I knocked the roses off my mother's bushes with a hurling ball as a young fella down in Kilmuckridge I always wanted to play for Wexford always wanted to win a senior hurling All-Ireland but a, a short answer to what you're going to say is there is nothing in my career Eddie that I've ever won that means more than an All-Ireland club final and I suppose I, I try to explain it Eddie Buffers Alley are a unique place we were there were a tough set of men when I started out there but my heroes the people that formed my life the Tony Dorns the Mick Butlers all those guys the father Jim Butlers you know the old elder statesmen the Sil Murphy the Billy Lees my father they were the ones that kind of they reared me and then I grew up then with a group of guys, Eddie, um, you know, we're all married here and there and whatever, but I grew up with a group of guys, the Whelans, the Donahues, Barry Murphy, my late brother-in-law, all those guys. And they were the fellas that were my best friends. And I remember I remember a funny thing, Eddie, in the, in the, we lost the All-Ireland Club final in 86 uh, against um, uh, Kilroan McDonough's, and Jesus was the most sickening day of my life, I think. And we won it back in 89. But I remember being in that dressing room. It was the old dressing room you know you know Eddie remember the one that there was a beam used to go down through yes yes and you'd often see it on old GA All-Ireland days where there'd be 200 in the dressing room but everyone was in the dressing room but as I looked over on one side there was the older guys the Tony Dorn Mick Butler Father Casey Henry Butler they were over there on one side of it as I looked in the other side of it my best friends were in it and then as I looked in the other side of it sadly Eddie there were people like my father my brother-in-law Barry Murphy who passed away sadly uh, not so far ago and he was playing cornerback and people that are no longer with us and really my life Eddie was in that dressing room my my own the people that were dearest to me were in that dressing room not that the 96 lads weren't but these were the people these were my family everybody else and uh, do you know a funny thing I often thought and I often said Eddie uh, you get old as you get older you get a bit more sentimental I'd love to have that half an hour in that dressing room again just to say thanks to a lot of people and just, you know, the, the, the likes of Barry now, who I was very close to, he played cornerback first. He was married, as I say, married to my late sister, my father.
other Jersey lads like just give him give him a hard we don't we don't hug and buffers Ali Eddie you know or yeah, tougher men too tough for that. just give him a little bit of a harder handshake so in short Eddie it was brilliant for the for the county to win in All Ireland and I I would never ever give that back but it was very very special for the club Eddie and and uh, something I'll never forget I I just it was someday for us Eddie so. In fairness, you'd have to go with your club, and I think that's what makes a lot of GA players unique. That, that that their club is is the one that they really enjoyed winning something with Eddie. Yeah, no, and it's 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 brilliant that you say it, Tom, and 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 the way you explain it as well. Even the the, the dressing room, and you know, I could nearly visualise it as you're saying it. But I always remember a player that I loved growing up, Desi Dolan, the footballer from Westmead. Yeah. And I remember Gary Castle winning a Leinster football title. Now, Westmead aren't blessed with all Ireland titles, but Gary Castle had won a Leinster football title, and Westmead obviously had won a Leinster football title, very close together, maybe two or three years apart. But Desi was interviewed straight after the match when Gary Castle had just beaten um, one of the Dublin teams, I'm going to say Bally Bowden or, or it was Kilma Cook Rose, yeah. one or the other. But straight away, the commentator said to him, which means more to you? And I kind of thought, Jesus, you know, it's a bit hard throwing that microphone into that question yeah. 20 seconds after yeah. the game. And Desi said, it was nice to win the title with Westmead, but he said, these are the lads that were at my christening, more than likely at my communion, at my confirmation, will definitely be at my wedding, and these are the lads that will carry my coffin. And I remember thinking, yeah. you know, that's, that's a club. I tell you, and he he's such a he's a man I really really admire. But what a summation, uh, Eddie! You know, I mean, my father Eddie from the time I was, and I hope I don't ramble on. You can stop me no, if I do. Yeah. But when from the time I was six or seven years of age, my father brought me to matches. Like I was up, I was watching uh, the Fenians. I was watching county finals in Kilkenny. I was going to tournament matches. I was up in Carlow. I was playing uh, some tough crowds, Michael and a few of those boys watching our lads playing. But my father brought me to everything and just a, a funny story Eddie he he used to always have the two hurls under the arm he used to have the uh, cigarette on the end of the lip uh, cap and he'd always have his suit and tie at every game and even when I was playing myself you know but I remember when I was about 12 I was running through and I took a shot county under 12 final put it wide and he opened his mouth to let it shout and swallowed the fag would you believe <laughs> So I looked out, Eddie, I looked out at the um, sideline and uh, the next minute um, I saw him down in his hands and knees, ran out, Joe Doran, Tony's brother, said, go back in, Thomas Ari, he's only after swallowing the fag. I thought he was after having <laughs> a heart attack. attack. <laughs> but, you know, these were the people, like, you know, we've had a few bereavements, a few down days, Eddie, my sister and a few people passed away that were very close to me. These were the guys, Eddie, the alley lads, you know, and, and the Glen Barrington guys here as well. By God, when you were down, I know we'll fight and we'll fall out, but they'll always stick the old hand down, Eddie, to give you a pull back up, if you know what I mean. We're, we're just, they're very special people. And I think Desi caught it very, very nicely, but coincidentally, just to my father, uh, when, I, when anything I'm ever doing in Kilkenny, I always think of St. Martin's Muckalee, Eddie, because yes. uh, they're, oh Jesus, they were, I don't know if they're still the same, but they were the toughest men I ever came came across now in all my life, you know, um, the Bournes and those guys or whatever. But my father used to be the treasurer in the club, Eddie, and we played Muckalee up in a practice match every year before Championship the Alley when we were going well we always played Muckley in a practice match because by God you had a practice match there that there was no holes barred very clean crowd of men but tough but I always remember my father came in one day after we playing a, a, a particularly fractious game with them up in Bagnallstown and uh, came in anyway and he just said lads that's the last time we'll ever play Muckley and 
I, by surprise, Dad said, well, he said, it's like this. We can't afford it, he says. We're after breaking 24 hurls tonight, he said. And there's no way we can play Muckalee anymore, he says. It'll break the club, he said. You know what? I always think of Muckalee, but there, there's so many stories you could tell about your club, uh, Eddie. And, and, you know, my groomsman, best man, I two groomsmen, they're all club men of mine. You know, they're just, just means, it means an awful lot. I was only out there last night, believe it or not just doing a bit of free-taking with a couple of lads in the alley, even though I don't live out there. And sure, the first people you meet, Tony Dorn, you walk up, you meet Bill Dorn, Mick Butler, you know, all those old people. And and then the, the Sean Williams. The, 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 to say, Eddie, and I know a lot of clubs are like this, but to say that the alley lads would die for you when you were playing was, wasn't was really outside the, the, the truth of it, you know. So I loved, I loved the area I was brought up in, Eddie, I, and I love my club. And... I don't think that'll ever change now. To no, be honest with no, you. no. This is it, a hundred percent, Tom. Tom, just just when you started out playing, first of all, we're gonna I'm gonna bring you back in time, and we'll we'll work our way through your career nice and quick as well. But yeah, you were a dual that, player. That won't be hard anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but but you were a dual player in the beginning. Like you were playing football for the Wexford minor team, and you were playing hurling for the Wexford minor team. You know, back then, you know, like had you a love for one over the other, or what was the story? But you definitely did tag out for both, didn't you? Yeah, I did, and I tell you, it's it's a funny thing about that. I, I used to love soccer as well, and I we we were very lucky. There was a man, Pat Farrell, who was the guru of soccer in Kilmuckridge, and he was a great friend of my father's. So as a result, there was never any worry about soccer. We just they dovetailed perfectly. We won nearly everything underage hurling, and we won everything underage soccer. So it, I I got a great love for that, but. I, I probably was even was a little bit more comfortable with a football in my hand. You know, I I, to, to, I know you can't judge, but I was probably a little bit better a footballer than a hurler, believe it or not. I will not believe it or not, but I was. And I always remember, Eddie, that I played under, I was at 17 years of age, I played under 21 against Dublin, Leinster semi-final. And uh, I played on uh, Dave Sinnott, Dave, who I think he won it, I played in an All-Ireland final after, but I was, I was very young playing and I kind of moved on. The likes of Tony Dempsey and people like that. Tony is, well, no, no relation down here would have encouraged me to play a bit of football. But I always remember this, Eddie. I, it was very early 90s and I played a National League game with Wexford in football. And I was very quickly <clears throat> kind of called in by the hurling management. And they said to me, well, look, if you want to play football, play football. But basically, don't expect anything here, which is probably a bit unfair at the time, you know. So I had to kind of look at it myself, Eddie. Buffers Alley were predominantly hurling. And, you know, they were a hurling club. Now, we were senior football for a number of years. But I had that, that my future kind of club was hurling. And really, the, the majority sport, I suppose, in Wexford was hurling. So... I felt it was a bit, I didn't think it was very fair the way they put it to me, but it didn't leave me with much choice but to go and play uh, hurling, you know. So that that's really why I kind of maybe, I played senior football for Buffers Alley for a good many years, but I kind of left my inter-county football career behind at that point. The other thing as well, Eddie, in fairness, the first 10 years I played with the Alley, uh, I think we won eight championships. So we had eight club championships to play in the first 10 years. So there wasn't much time really to to, to be doing anything other than that. But I, I would have still have a love for football, Eddie. But it's just it's just interesting that you say it, Tom. Like if you think it, this is the early 90s, late 80s, and you're being told pick one or the other. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you know, it's like... It's 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 just one of the things that I have a, a a bit of a bugbear with Wexford. Like if you take Wexford, they had a brilliant win against Offaly in the football, a poor result against Dublin in the hurling granted. So like you know, but they're a county that's trying to produce at two two levels, both football and hurling. And I know we, it's very easy to kick the Wexford footballers when they're down because they had a poor league campaign, but the championship result has been f- fantastic, breed a bit yeah. of life into football in Wexford. But like 
Is it nearly impossible for a county to be a dual county nowadays? I, I, I think the geography spread of Wexford makes it very difficult, Eddie. I think also that players now, you, you either have to go hurling or football because their commitment levels are just gone through the roof. But back that time, I was disappointed. And I often hear, you know, talking about dual players and whatever. And I was always disappointed a bit that, you know, I felt I should have been a dual player, really. But I think at this point, the geographical spread, and you know you know Wexford very well, Eddie. You know, you you probably, have, you know, I know that you, you, you originally, was it Westmead or Kildare? You Westmead originally, Westmead originally. Westmead, yeah. So, but you would know Wexford very oh, well. Oh, inside out, yeah. What's yeah. happened in Wexford at the moment, Eddie, in Galway, say, for example, you've, you've, different spreads of different clubs so you you go to the west I suppose of Galway and you're looking at football and you go <clears> different places the same in different counties but what's happened here now is it's 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 changed a bit so there's an awful lot of dual clubs here Eddie so you're top the Shelmaliers would have a good chance of winning senior hurling and football Martins would have the same the Harriers the Sarsfields would you know they'd say Glyn Barrington would have the same so our football hurling areas are very much interspersed with each other you know they're not they're not kind of on their own, and I don't think that helps the situation of trying to get a good hurling and a football team out. Even awfully small county, but there would be a, a clear distinguishing uh, line between the football and the hurling where it's not there in Wexford, Eddie. Even though we're a dual county, and and you know what, Eddie, like, like let's be particularly honest about it as well. If Wexford were playing, the, I mean, the 2017 Leinster final, there was 44,000 hurling tickets sold in Wexford for that game against Galway. There was 62,000 added or whatever. We don't have the same interest in football down here. So I suppose it's natural then that you go with the with the with the bigger sport, Eddie. I suppose that's that's no, I won't say the bigger sport, but the one but certainly I, I, I think there were you know, there were maybe things done with football that maybe you know, I, I really should have been given the option, no more than George O'Connor, no more than say players that would have played hurling in football over the years, Shamie Fitz or whatever. But uh sometimes sometimes you don't get the option, you know. No, but I think like realistically to be to be fair to you know, I remember you would have had stages where there was some Cork lads playing hurling and football, and there was some very occasionally you have the odd freak that would manage to do it at intercounty level. But as you said already, the demands being put on players nowadays that's just not an option. You can't, you know, you're training, these lads are going four or five nights a week. You couldn't do it. There's not enough hours in the day to train for two intercounty teams and actually be serious about them. So, unfortunately, you do have to pick. Yeah, um, I, I can see it now. I, I don't think it should have been the case what is it now Eddie uh, 28 or 30 years ago like you know I think it could have been done that time but do you know what Eddie it's, it brings a whole other thing into it you know are, is the sport going out of it are we getting are we are the kind of uh, what would the preparation levels too too much but sure that that would take it three days to argue wouldn't it it would see the problem you have it's like everyone is trying to be Limerick at the moment in hurling so everyone has to raise their levels to be at that it was Kilkenny 15 years ago and unfortunately if you're Carlo or Offaly or Westmead or anyone else that's not Limerick even if you're Kilkenny or Wexford or you know what I would call the, the top 8 teams there's a massive gulf in class to be to be closed so you're going to have to train harder work harder get fitter get stronger get bigger and the only way to do yeah. that is to nearly go professional like I spoke to one of the lads about this a couple of weeks ago if you think back to the Wexford team that you were on in 96 and look at yeah. the jobs that a lot of your players had like there was probably farmers on the team there was reps there was block layers look at the Wexford senior hurling team now or the Kilkenny senior hurling team and show me the lad that's working you know, on a building site or show me the lad that's working in, 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 in somewhere where he's going to be absolutely bursted out of it for 10 hours a day in the rain. You know, it, it physically doesn't happen anymore. These lads have to be 
in jobs that they can physically give all their energy to the hurling or the football. And you know what, you know, and 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 on that, Eddie, they're they're actually picking jobs to suit their hurling and and football careers, which I don't know, Eddie. I, I don't know whether that will that be counterproductive in the long term, really. You know, that's, and I don't think there is a a place for professionalism because I suppose ninety seven percent of our players are club players, Eddie, and and there's a lot of club players as well. You know, the, like we're the GPA are talking about inter-county players, and I agree they should be taken care of. But I know of a lot of club players here in Lynn and that they're driving from Dublin to train, they're driving from Dublin to Cork sometimes to play a practice match, and they're not getting one penny for it. So, you know, there, there's a bigger picture than just that 3% as well. Oh, definitely. Tom, yeah. back back to you yourself. Uh, um, I read an, an article a couple of weeks ago. It was, I'd be digging through stuff when I know something's coming up for me, and I, yeah. and, and, I, and I pulled this out. Like I have to say, you were a player I liked. Um, as a player, I genuinely liked watching you play, and I thought you were very honest and, and a decent player. Played you wouldn't remember, but I played against you in the soccer years ago as well. Um, I was playing with a team called Tom Brack United, and I remember you were playing on the right side of midfield. Neither of us were in our prime at the time, I can tell you, but uh, <laughs> you did score against us. And I remember afterwards, I was like, a, I think we'd won two one or it was a draw, but I was in particularly poor form. And one of the lads said it to me on the way home, "You know who scored that goal?" And I said, "No, no." He said that. Tom Dempsey and he, there was an explosive in the middle of it you know and I said Tom Dempsey the hurler he said yeah that was him and I said oh feck I would have got a photograph with him you know and uh, yeah. he burst out laughing in it because I was playing on the left I think you were on the right side of midfield or left whatever side I was on you basically breezed by me to score and he said to me you could have asked him for the photograph then that, but I, um, I used to love the old soccer Tom, Tom Breck they had a, the facilities were fairly scarce up around there as well Eddie. That's, <laughs> that's it uh, we would have got togged out where the dressing room should have been um, so it, but I just picked up one of the articles and it just it, Kind of because it was just about early in your career, and it just said, in a sense, this is what the actual quote now. In a sense, Dempsey's entire career has been a roller coaster. Most of the time, that roller coaster was wheezing uphill rather than swooping downwards. He played in an All Ireland Colleges final for St. Peter's against St. Flannels, St. Peter's lost. He pe- appeared in an All Ireland Under 21 final against Joe Cooney's Galway, Wexford lost. He made his National League debut at the age of 19 against Kilkenny in Callan. Wexford lost. He made his Championship <laughs> debut against Offaly the following summer, and let me guess. Wexford lost. Um, that you know defeats like th- there's a lot of defeats in that shot there. There's a couple of and I know there was I think it's ninety three. You were played in because the the Cork game was it ninety three. You were captain of the Wexford Jeep. Yeah. That Cork yeah, I, game went to two replays, didn't it? It did, yeah. And ironically, I was captain that that year. Yeah. I believe Eddie. So could, it could have made me Eddie. So could. Well, you had two replays against Cork. And you had, a, you had a replay against Kilkenny. So you played in five finals. You played two Leinster finals and three league finals and you won none. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm just <laughs> ripping the plaster off. Um, it's, how hard is it to pick yourself up after days like that? Uh, it is. Uh, just a comment there, I, I Actually, my first day ever hurling, uh, I was very, very fortunate, or unfortunate if you want, but it was hurling on Joe Hennessy in Callan and I actually remember Nolan Park was closed that day and there was a bit of a row going out just like any supporters I think were trying to get at one or two of the Wexford fellas but I I played on Joe that day and just to mention that he was a man that I really admired all my life you know he was a, an absolute gentleman as well as a, an incredible player but look that time Eddie I suppose there's two ways that, that I would put it one is that I played with a group of people that were absolutely, they would keep you going, as the fella says. You know, George O'Connors would have started with me, Eamon Cleary, Billy Byrne, you know, Shawnee Flood, a lot of those guys. And you know what? Probably, <coughs> in fun, some funny ways, our friendships 
kind of dragged us through like and our love of hurling dragged us through really you know it was um just absolutely from that point of view and you always you never start a year thinking that the uh the the tide won't turn as the fella says because um you know we we look at it, it was there but on the flip side i was playing with buffers alley at the time eddie and Club hurling was very important in Wexford that time, and maybe our focus was a little bit more on that than it. I don't know whether it should have been, but in the first ten years that I would have played with the Alley, we would have won eight championships. I probably had four county senior medals by the time I was twenty-one, and won a Leinster club, won an All Ireland. So it the flip side was completely happening with the club. So to a certain extent, the club were probably keeping me afloat as well, Eddie. You know, that's the that's the bottom line with it, really. You know, but did you get a tough? Because like, I see it sometimes in, in, in Kilkenny and I know this happened with you as well. Like yeah. some Kilkenny hurlers, like you take Colin Fenley, absolutely brilliant hurler, brilliant person. And, and, and I mean this as well. Colin's an absolute gentleman and he's a serious hurler. But there would have been times that people would have maybe said that Colin had tried harder for Ballyhale than he was for Kilkenny, which was completely utterly untrue. You know, he'd be busting his ass for both teams. But that was something that was, sometimes it was suggested about yourself that, that you were you know I don't know if you've ever heard that before um, if you haven't oh. I'm sorry um, <laughs> look, look there's no point in me saying no idea and it wasn't wasn't too much but like I would have been and just back to Colin Fenley I tell you this for nothing Eddie I'd be one lad person that he's not going to be hurling on uh, in two or three weeks time against Wexford because <laughs> I just think he's an incredible player I have to say you know but um, no I, I can fully understand I tell you what what was happening a little bit Eddie um, and, and just to say that I would have had a an odd uh, poison pen letter anonymous letters deta- detailing my seed breed and generation and that can be upsetting Eddie you know and I, I would have got I won't say regular letters, but you know, you'd get your two or three letters a year just to tell you that you were doing it for Buffers Alley and you wouldn't do it for for the county team and kind of would have got a little bit from the sideline maybe. And, you know, that's, I remember scoring a goal one day and uh, for the club one day and, of course, the ring around, you won't do it against Offaly and you won't do it against Kilkenny. And it's part of it. But I, th- I think... I looking back now, obviously, I think it was a little bit unfair, Eddie, because I was very committed to what Wexford were doing, albeit in different times. But I think because Buffers Alley were so successful, and sometimes success brings a certain amount of unpopularity. And at the time, there was a couple of lads, say Sean Wheel and myself, but in general, I was one of the more people that were consistently playing with Wexford. I won't say playing consistently, I say consistently playing with Wexford at the time. And I think I might have been their focus of a lot of people for a bit of a dislike for Buffer Sally's success. And then if Wexford, like I, I remember coming out of Crow Park, Eddie, in the 93 Leinster final. And I think, you know, DJ Carey be up there, one of my great, as one of my uh, favourite hurlers ever. He's just a lovely hurler, lovely person. He's the, he's just everything a hurler should be. But I remember that day, I think DJ, unusually the first day in the 93 Lancer run, he might have missed one free or maybe two, which was a bad day for DJ, as you, as you know, Eddie, right? But just on the day I'd scored, I think, I think I scored every single free. And don't get me in, wrong now, I wouldn't put myself in the same league as DJ. He's the greatest player ever. But I remember coming out and two or three spectators kind of, 
came after me basically and he had started and I actually scored nine or ten but actually a very good game if we had DJ Carey we'd be Leicester champions now and you know that kind of thing and I think it was partly a little bit of an anti-Buffers Alley thing and partly because Buffers Alley were so um the, the one thing I, I didn't like about it, Eddie, and did, there was a particular columnist as well. I, I don't know why, but well-known hurler uh, years ago. But he he was writing, you know, not so nice things about me. And 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 to be honest with you, Eddie, you, you don't mind it so much for yourself. But my father went every game. My wife, Sinead, they went to games and whatever. And you just don't like them listening to that because it can be very, very tough for them listening to things like that. But do you know what? It's part of it. Like, I suppose it's part of but it. it like, even, even the greatest hurlers get the same thing, I think, Eddie, don't they? They do. But like you say, it's 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 part of it, you know. And like, I know myself, you know, like, unfortunately, I was never gifted enough to be to be playing in Crow Park and, and working that way. But I've been lucky that, that people have kind of seen something to me and said, look, we want you to help out with different teams. And I've been lucky to be involved with great football teams and, and, and really good hurling teams and camogie teams. And I, and, I, and I love that. But I've I've been at matches where the stand behind me has been abusing me or telling me, um, you know, you know, you wouldn't have a clue. You shouldn't be down here. You shouldn't be coaching these teams. You don't. And it, it never bothers me. But like it doesn't because I kind of get riled off and I think I love it yeah. because if they're giving out to me I'm really annoying them and it's generally <laughs> not my team uh, but what does annoy me is like I've I've young kids I've two young boys I've I've a daughter similar age to your own daughter Laura and like I, I remember Chloe sitting in the stands listening to it at 15 or 16 years of age and she's asked me on the way home in the car you know why do them people all hate you daddy and you know I just you kind of laugh it off but it's it's not something you should have to and I'm I'm horrified to hear like because I had heard it said in the past that and I've heard it said about some other players that they put the club first and oh he'll do it for the club and he never puts it in for the county and he's slouching and I heard that accusation thrown and I don't mind it that'd be water off my back when I'd read something like that about yourself but to, to hear people went about actually sitting down and writing a letter and sending it to you to do it that's not part of the game that's that's just disgusting it's it's not really and you know I suppose the only place for, for the letter is the dustbin now thank God there haven't been too many lately <laughs> maybe it'll start again Eddie but I, I you know I, I think sometimes that you know look at people have a fierce passion for it as well and they want Wexford to win and whatever but I think you know sometimes they take their angst out maybe in the wrong direction because I, I will say this Eddie you know that that Games that you lose, like I remember the 93 Leinster final or things like that where we probably should have won them. And we know in our hearts and souls, maybe we should have won games, should have won the first day. You know, there's a couple of Leinster finals we probably should have won, particularly during the, the bad years. But you know something, I say people don't realise that it sometimes takes a player a month to even get the lump out of his stomach after something like that, you know, it really does. The most uh, hit person is 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 the player themselves, and sure, I suppose every player that's ever played has has had some form of um, people getting onto him and whatever. And sadly, do you know what, Eddie? I I tell you what, I am glad at the moment that I didn't play during the social media oh. period of the game because, by jeepers, you know, I think we have to be very very careful of that. I I I don't like forums, Eddie, whereby I suppose you don't have to give your name on them, and no. at least you know. Oh, and it's, I just think it's it's a little bit hard because whether we like it or not, people say, oh, I don't read that, I don't read that. But we do pay attention to it, Eddie. You know, people, I don't really believe people don't. People like to get a little bit of a, a compliment or whatever. And it's lovely lovely to get a compliment. But look, at you have bad days as well. So you have to take the bad with the good, really. No, this is it. And, and, and the point that you make as well, you know, about the social media side of things, like, you know, I'm lucky enough that I get to do 
analysis on games and I get to go to see lots of matches and I get to give my opinion on what I'm looking at and you're lucky enough that you're in that same role that you're able to do that and obviously at a much better level than me um, I'm, 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 I'm flying yeah. as close to the sun as I can get away without getting burnt you're, you're looking at it properly but uh, do, do you sometimes when you're listening and I don't mean this in a, in a uh, I don't even know how to word it but like if there's a player having a nightmare out in the field and you're there yeah. doing the analysis and Liam Spratt looks to his left and says Tom you know, that's another ball gone into the corner forward there. He didn't win it. In the back of your mind, do you think, right, I can't, <laughs> I can't say what I'm taking here because this poor lad has a mother and a father and a grandmother. Yeah. And do you say, you know, Jesus, Eddie's had better days or, you know, is it something that you consciously do think about? Uh, sure, look, Eddie, I, I'd be, you know, and I, I, I do a, a good bit. I do have an article in the paper every week. And the, the biggest thing is that, oh, just MC will sit on the fence and all this. And, Oh yeah, it's, it's grand. Maybe I will sit on the fence to a certain extent, Eddie. But I, I was that fella standing on the corner, and I was that fella that saw when there was unkind things written about me. Um, that my father was being more affected than I was, and you know my mother, and you know you, you go home and the, you know you don't want to mind this fella, you don't mind it. So I, I saw all that. So the way I look at it is, I, I don't have a huge, um, Eddie. I don't have a huge love or, or respect for, for people that have, particularly people that have played the game, that really um, go to town on fellas that you know, that that are, are are playing the game now because they put so much into it. I think there's a way of saying that a fella's not having the best game that he'd normally have, Eddie, and I, I, no, I don't have a huge regard for people that go to town on players, and I, to a certain extent I refuse to do it myself, Eddie, you know. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't see what's to be benefited by doing it. I know some people, and it's something that I've said in the past a few times. I've been asked, you know, what do I think it is or what, do I, and I give my honest opinion, but I tend not to make it personal. And I've said it before. I don't need, I don't need to be in the papers. I don't need to promote myself by being yeah. that. And I think if you watch the lads that do generally cut them, they need to get that little bit of um, publicity for themselves, and it's easy to get it on the back of abusing somebody else. You know? Um, yeah. I just you see. What? You see, they're, they're, I tell you, Eddie, you have to put yourself in a position when you were playing yourself. And we weren't all Nicky Records or DJ Carey's or whatever. And I think we forget that. But we shouldn't forget that, you know what I mean? And I even there recently, I was just reading an article. I happened to be joking and huge regard for the man and whatever. But I happened to be joking the day Wexford um, were being... We remember Watford were giving us a good old hammer in there at half time in the uh, league semi-final and I just said we need to tighten up at the back and uh, I said I, 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 I refuse to mention the sweeper system but a particular former manager uh, kind of came out and said that he didn't really think that fellas of my era understood how the sweeper system worked Oh, he he took he took huge offence to the comment actually I um I read yeah. the, I read the article and I kind of I laughed because. I know both characters involved and yeah. I know that you wouldn't have said it with any malice and he was misinterpreting what was being said and that was my honest opinion. Eddie, Eddie do you know what? There's a misconception that, that people are reinventing hurling. Maybe they are, but you, you look at you, you. Maybe I don't know what age you are, Eddie, but you're, you you wouldn't be too far away from me maybe on, on, on an age bracket. But to be honest with you, to, you know, to say that people of my era, sometimes when you comment now and you get into a certain age limit, 
you feel like you're a dinosaur that you shouldn't be commenting. But you know what? We've been studying hurling all our lives, and this concept of the sweeper system, etc., doesn't it doesn't take rocket science to work it out, Eddie? You know, it kind of makes me laugh, really, that you know because we're of a particular eerie, we don't understand the way the modern game is wanted to be played. We do understand that, like you know. And but I just smiled to myself because you know we you know as you say, Eddie, it was it was tongue in cheek the way I said it. And I'd be honest with you, if Wexford were to play four goalkeepers and eleven defenders and win in All Ireland, I don't care if it's done that way. I'd love to see it happening, you know. So I just smiled to myself anyway, Eddie. But uh, but what I felt but funny still, about still, that, he'd still be a good old friend of mine anyway, Eddie. Yeah, well, do you know what though? Like somebody went to the bother of ringing him to tell him that because yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? And that's that's what I find laughable, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. That that someone said, oh yeah, Tom Dempsey's there and he's cutting the back off you on the radio, and that's not what happened. Yeah. But it wasn't what happened. Um, no, no. Tom, just because I want to talk to you before we like, obviously '96 is something that I want to have a few questions I want to ask you about that. But in your Wexford career, you would have played under a good number of managers. I think, and this is now because I'm not 100% on this, I'm guessing based on years that Christy Kyo gave you your, your debut, did he? He uh, No, it was John Doyle, Eddie, in 1987. He's a Buffers Alley man. So 1985, sorry, apologies for that. Uh, John Doyle gave me my, my uh, debut and then John, 85, 86, and Christy, I think, took over. It's, sorry, 86, 87. Sorry, my fault. Yeah, and Christy took over then in in eighty eight, and then just because I just want to take them like like obviously I like I wouldn't remember some of these managers. I knew I knew Christy and and, and I really really liked Christy as well. I just thought he was a, yeah, a complete yeah. another gentleman. Um, and, and he was like fr- from talking to Christy back in the day and and, and and listening to him to him talk like I Christy had that ability. I know one of the lads said to me about Brian Cody that Brian Cody had talked to you on a Friday and you could leave a dressing room ready to play an All-Ireland final and you might never have picked up a hurl before um, yeah, yeah. I always found that with Christy he was one of the people that you'd nearly invite into a dressing room to talk to a team what was he like to play under as a manager? Uh, he was he was an incredibly passionate man, you know, and and you know what, he was an incredibly decent man as well, you know. He was sadly Christy has passed away, and do you know what, uh, Eddie, I always put him as a a person that maybe was there and at a time when there was a fun part of hurling and life and just before the real kind of maybe we got too serious about things but Christy was there uh, 88 we had brother O'Grady um, who sorry Michael O'Grady now who who uh, took us over and Michael was only given nine months Michael was a Limerick man he was only given nine months with the Wexford team and I just thought he was incredible as well very very big hurling man, very intelligent and he didn't get enough time so Christy was there 88, We after that again we lost the Leinster final and then I suppose Christy was, was the main Martin Quigley was in there and then Christy was the mainstream. The 93 team I suppose Eddie were the team that we feel we should have won something with. I was captain that year and Christy was over that team and you know we, we were, we had the league finals won you know, could effectively True said we the league finals one probably should have got you know got got a we should have won two of the games at least. There were there were very memorable days for Wexford people uh, in that the trips to Turles were fantastic and with some great battles down there. And then of course the ninety three Leinster final we were four up six minutes to go to Kilkenny having done all the hurling. Eamon Morrissey caused us a lot of bother and maybe just maybe that day summed up the psyche which we had been living with uh, Eddie in that. I remember, uh, uh, what do you call it, not Eddie O'Connor, Willie O'Connor came over to me after the game, shook hands with me. We'd drawn with Kilkenny and Willie, not in any way being smart, just said, hard luck, Tom. 
And you know, funny thing, maybe that was the psyche that was killing us, that we actually did think it was hard luck, even though we'd drawn, whereas Willie thought it was hard luck on us because we're going to beat you the next day. And I think there was a, a very serious psychological issue with Wexford uh, uh, as well, Eddie, you know, and kind of going through, and uh, again, going through my upbringing, say, in the 70s, and we had a fair bit of success as well, like, but going through, say, 71 to 75, I, my life was Leinster hurling finals that time and even a bit after that but I was brought up Eddie loving Chunky Liam O'Brien you know we, we, we just talk like anywhere when I was growing up they were they were kind of beaten us most years the one to four in a row so they had that little edge psychologically on us and to be honest with you, you know I we, we even had a young fella that just played in the school ground at home and he st- they still call him Chunky because he used to go on solo runs, you know. Uh, John Hamill was his name, and Eddie Kerr and Pat Lawler and Jim Tracy, Billy Fitz, Matt Root, Kieran Brennan, all those guys, they were lads that, that we grew up maybe kind of mostly with them beating Wexford. So it, it took it took a big, big seismic change to get that changed in our heads, really, when it all came down to it. And if you take 93 on its own merits, like you're the captain of the team, Christie's over the team. If there was a back door... Like there was no, you know, people don't remember, like younger people listening to this don't remember that when you lost in the Leinster Championship first round, the year was over. Like, yeah, yeah. do you think if there was a backdoor back in 93 that maybe that Wexford team would have went and picked up their teeth um, and came back maybe in a backdoor system, ended up in the quarterfinals, maybe got the semis and next thing you're in an All-Ireland? Like, would you, would you, would you be fancying yourself to have more than one All-Ireland medal if you got a second bite of the cherry? Absolutely, and and I do I'd even go a bit further back. I th- I think that like I mean the day, the days that Wexford had, I, mean, you always, I always remember Eddie Kerr, a man, a lovely man, but not a lovely man when you see he Kenny Jersey on him. But remember he, he he bent down to tie his lace just before he put the last nail, putting the ball over the bar. I think it was seventy four, and. You know, the, 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 I think that that team, if it had got a second chance, could have come back through the back door. But our own team in particular, Eddie, I mean, I felt we were the best team in Ireland in 1993. I mean, we had Cork beaten twice. Uh, we had Kilkenny beaten. And Kilkenny kind of romped, really. They won the All-Ireland semi-final easily enough and won the All-Ireland final pretty well with, I think, six, seven points to spare. So there's no doubt about it. The backdoor system would have suited us down to the ground because you have to remember, Eddie, Every day up to effectively 95 when they changed the system, it was generally you're playing Offaly or you're playing Kilkenny, two great teams in a, a Leinster semi-final possibly. And if you had a sniffle that day or if you didn't have, you weren't in good form, if things went wrong, you had no chance to build up a bit of consistency. So the, the backdoor system would have suited us down to the ground. And what was a little bit galling, uh, Eddie, for me, and I suppose a bit of a knock at the overall hierarchy of the GA, but they changed the system when Offaly won in 94, or when Offaly, Clare and ourselves won three All-Irelands. They never thought about changing the system prior to that when we were suffering, you know, and sometimes you get a little bit annoyed about that, that they changed it just as we were actually becoming a bit successful, whereas if they'd have changed it a bit earlier, I have no doubt, and I'm not saying this with any arrogance, I feel I would have <coughs> two to three All-Irelands rather than one All-Ireland if that had been a backdoor system. Yeah, no, like, and that's why I asked the question, because myself, looking at it, thinking, you know what I mean, you, you blink, you're gone, and, and yeah. I definitely thought Wexford had enough really good hurlers back then to to, to kick on. Right, so Christie's gone, um, in comes Liam Griffin, Um wasn't the greatest start. A lot of people like you get you get wrapped up in hysteria. Everybody thinks '96 just happened. The next thing there was an, Chris, uh, Liam Griffin arrived in backroom team, and you just won the All Ireland. That's not exactly a true story, though. Like yeah. Liam Griffin's first year in charge was nothing short of a disaster. 
It was. I mean, we had a number of things and the famous rashers and sausages go home and cook your rashers and sausages. Who or whatever was said to him going off and the day that Mead beat us in the league and uh, Mead beat us in the league kind of the, you know, the winter previous to us winning the All-Ireland, Eddie, you know. So that's the kind of a, a change round. But there was one thing I think about Liam Griffin uh, when he came in, Eddie, and, the, you know, there was a meeting to get rid of Liam Griffin in the uh, winter of 1995. Now, can you imagine for my personal career or for Wexford that time or everyone that was playing or supporting, what a disaster that would have been like, you know. But the, and was that know, a players' the, meeting or was that a... a, a it, I think it was, again, I didn't know. It certainly wasn't a players because in fairness to Liam, although I used to have a fall now with Liam every second day because he, he used, used to have me on every day, Eddie, but uh, in fairness to Liam, the players were always totally behind Liam, you know. I think it was the county at large that there were a number of people were not too happy with his, his tenure. But the one thing about Liam, Liam... I'd say everything he does in business, he knew where he was going from the very, very start. So basically the way Liam Griffin was working it, he kind of, after the first year, he learned a lot of lessons, which he didn't repeat any of the mistakes. So he reckoned there's maybe a thousand or maybe 2000 things you have to get right. And he was going to get as many of them right as he could possibly get. And the first one was fitness. You know, he, like we were so fit in 96, it wasn't funny. He brought in a guy called Sean Collier. Ironically, Eddie, part of our training was to go into a boxing ring with Sean, who was the Irish middleweight boxing hopeful and a world kickboxing champion. And we'd have to slog it out with Sean for, I, I, I learned my cost one night. I was put straight on the back <laughs> by Sean. So it wasn't an easy place to be, but we got this, um, we got this resolve about us. But one of the biggest things Liam did was brought in Neve Fitzpatrick, who was our psychologist. And I know, you know, you go into clubs all over the county, I oh, don't be talking about it, but Neve Fitzpatrick made a huge difference. She brought the concept of visualisation, of processing, you know, that like we went down to the point, Eddie, where before every game, we would be brought into the room with Neve. She'd take us down on her own now, kind of visualising going out on the field, hearing the Offaly roar, the Kilkenny roar, coming out ourselves, hearing our own roar, getting our breathing right. So psychologically, we we were at the, the real cutthroat end of psychology, what, 26, 27 years ago. Like, and that's but, the way Liam Griffin was, you know. Because like, like one of the things that, like, and, I, and I'd study and I'd watch it, and you'd see in Limerick now, like if you can get your hands on last year's All-Ireland programme, um, it's worth looking at. Because you know in the bit where they do the backroom team? Yeah. If you look at the Limerick backroom team, you'll have a stroke because there's about four pages of backrooms team. It's nearly that, you know, Eddie Scally over studs for players with, that are standing on their left foot more than their right foot. Yeah. And then Tom is over right footed people's studs. They, yeah. they've, they have someone for everybody. But yeah. when I look back at that, the backroom team for Wexford in 96, and I looked at it, I did see, right, Sean Collier is there. So you knew there's a big strength and conditioning guy. That's where it's going to work with there. So wasn't overly shocked, but I was, it was still ahead of its time. John O'Leary was in there as your stats man. Um, again, not overly ahead of its time, but still a little bit ahead of its time. Then you'd obviously got Seamus Barron and you had Rosie um, as selectors. And of course, Rosie be, you know, all tactical looking at, you know, different types of scenarios. And then the one that did stun me was the psychologist. Like, I mean... Like I like I know in '96 and lads would be thinking Jesus Eddie they weren't watching black and white televisions back then or anything. It's but that was pr- pretty new to Hurland from what I can see. I I don't know anybody else that had psychologists in with them. Do you know anyone else that had them? 
Not at the time, Eddie. And in fairness to, to Liam, the people you've mentioned, John O'Leary, you know, Rory, uh, Sean, uh, Seamus, the late Seamus, who, God, you know, he only passed away there a few months ago. Absolute gentleman. And I tell you, <laughs> Rat Newerman, I think there's nobody, no men in Ireland know more about Ireland than Rat Newerman. And, you know, they, they were, he brought in people like that. And they were very professional people. It wasn't a big team, but they were a, a, a small team. But they were—they all brought a different aspect to it. But Neve, I mean, you—you you can imagine kind of a rough, raw, kind of a, a not a dressing room, but a, a meeting room one night where um, we walked in, and next minute this twenty-seven-year-old girl walks in and starts to tell us about you're going to have to change your mindsets, lads, and you're going to have to like. It wasn't universally accepted when she came in, but she, for me, was probably the the reason you know you're you're trying to change george not to change him but george was always a winner but story 30 32 i was 31 billy was you know moving on shawnee john o'connor moving on you trying to you tried to change a, a losing mindset and it's not easy but this girl was just incredible i mean we you know we went through the everything every bit of preparation that you needed going into a game she had it worked out for us and you know i took a few freeze things like that but even the, the traffic light thing whereby when we went out in the field for an all Ireland final you know we were on red then when it was getting close to the throw-in time after the parade and that we're on amber and then we only go on green we only let ourselves go so you won't be burning ner nervous energy there was a, there was an awful lot of new concepts she brought in and she was probably the one little extra element that brought us from not winning to winning and you know what the other one was eddie it was a little bit of luck i mean galway had 17 wides, you need that as well. But we allowed after DJ, <coughs> DJ says it was only eight steps, but after DJ's 12 steps and <laughs> the misfortune we'd had, we, ex we, we, we accepted that look without even looking back because we felt we were due it. But she was an incredible, an incredible element to, to what we were doing. No, just, well I, before their, their time, Eddie. You know, it is. And like, it's like the, 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 the traffic light is a thing I use on my own teams. If we get to a county semi-final or a county final, I always use that. I revert back to it. So here we are 30 years later and I haven't come up with a better system yet to try and describe it or explain it um, Limerick themselves have their own psychologist in there with them uh, full time I think the, the girl that's with Limerick has been with Tyrone it's it's and a concept her, yeah. it, it's a concept that 100% works and it's it's yeah. it's brilliant but the, the, the other thing with Liam like as you said and this is one of the funniest things I've I've, I've ever read or, or seen anywhere but fair enough in 95 you were, they were right they were shouting at Liam to go back and cook your ashes and the whole lot and kind of pushing the fact that he should be working in a hotel and I, not. I, I, was, I was shouting that an odd time at myself Eddie <laughs> like you like did like it's, it's well documented yourself and um, you know yourself and Liam I suppose every player wants to start and, and every manager wants to be picking their own teams and obviously in 96 you were in and out of the team I think you know Paul Codd breaking his leg in that season probably yeah. worked in your favour um, without question it did didn't it yeah, no, there's no doubt. And I mean, Paul turned out to be one of the greatest hurlers we've ever had in Wexford. But, you know, I, I often, I, I, Griffin often says to me, you, you were lucky enough uh, that Paul Codd got injured. And I said, you were lucky enough that you put me back on the team. So we, we allowed both of us were lucky, Eddie. But Paul was very unlucky that year. But he, he came back to show he, I, Paul was one of the greatest hurlers Wexford have ever had. But no, the, the, myself and Liam, look, every player wants to play, Eddie. And I remember there was conversations with myself and Liam that, you know, were, were fairly heavy going at times. But, I you know, I was probably, I, I'd be mild of character generally, but I was probably getting a bit desperate to win something as well. And I knew my time was running out. So, you know, I, I was desperate to be on the team, but I, I probably wasn't the easiest player that Liam dealt with. 
you know, and I have to admit one thing, Eddie, and, I, and I'll say this, and I was I hear of different managers being tough and rough and whatever, but there was never a day whether I was dropped around the team that Liam Griffin left the phone with me thinking, or leave me thinking that I wasn't good enough to play for Wexford. He never did anything to destroy my confidence, no matter whatever happened. And I always admired him and, and thanked him for that. You know, some managers can be very, very strong and very heavy on players. And Liam wasn't that way with me, bar the fact that he dropped me a couple of times. But, you know, he, he had a great, great way of just handling people, really, I suppose. And like 96... Because we, as we push on into it, but the st- ninety six is a year itself. Like you had a terrible start of the year. Your brother in law Niall um, mm. passed away in an accident as well. You know, st- sometimes stuff like that puts things into perspective. Really, you know. Yeah. And and like I I don't want to be bringing you back to dark places either now. But that, that you know for you yourself personally that must have been a desperate time. I knew from 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 working on it and looking into different things and the whole lot. You were very very close with Niall as well. Ah, yeah, you, you know, you, there's no doubt, uh, Eddie. I, I think there was two things about it, really. I, I always remember that the um, the Monday after... The, the, we were playing Dublin on the Sunday and I passed away after the accident on the Thursday evening. So it was kind of, would I play or would I not play? And would I be picked, I suppose? Or would I not be picked? And so I played the game, but didn't play particularly well. And I always remember, you know, again, the comments came in. Uh, people don't know what's going on in your life sometimes, you know, and I'm not looking for sympathy in any way, but I'm just saying when we're judging a player, we have to be careful of what's going on in their life. I remember on the Monday morning, it kind of, there was a, a, a phone in and, you know, Tom Dempsey shouldn't be on the Wexford team and we need to look forward. And it, it was a very, very low morning, but I, I think we need to um, just be, be cognizant of, of what young people on the field are going through while we're judging them, I, I, I suppose. But the other side of it then, Eddie, was that for that rest of that year, the fact that that had happened, I think my mind wasn't as focused or as nervous about hurling, if you, if that makes sense. Yeah. And even when we won the All-Ireland, I wasn't feeling like jumping over the Hogan stand or anything like that. I was very, and it probably helped my hurling, helped my free-taking, helped everything that year, and, and probably helped me to have a very, very good year in the long run, really, you know. So I, I, I'd still rather have Niall back and no All-Ireland medal, but certainly from the point of view, it did it did redirect my mind as to what was important and what's not important, Eddie, you know? No, de- definitely. And I can, I can see how, you know, again, I use the word perspective, you know, and, and I've seen that with, with clubs that have lost players, you know, that, that at different times during the years. And I've seen the dressing room refocuses. And it's not it's not that we don't want to win anymore. It's that, you know, it's 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 winning is, is important and it's great, but there's a much bigger thing in the world as well. And, 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 and sometimes life... It just, it just sometimes we do refocus, and unfortunately, it can be tough times. I just want to press on in in the in the in the Leinster final. This this story has been well played and well touted a million times. I mean, I've heard it two billion times at this stage. But the Leinster final, and I know I could be wrong here, but I'm I'm a hundred percent I'm not. The Leinster final, Liam Griffin contacts the the sports psychologist or the psychologist and says to her, "Look, this is what I'm going to do with the lads." She was like, oh, okay. And then she kind of said to him, look, drive on. He didn't tell any of his backroom teams, didn't tell any of the players. And he stops the bus on the Wexford Wicklow border, gets you all to get off the bus, takes a walk for 15, 20 yards, and then gives, from from what I'm told, quite a quick speech. It's not two hours of talking shit. It's about <laughs> 60 seconds or a minute and a half to tell you that, you know, Wexford Hurland's in a desperate place, lads. And if you don't win this game today, Wexford Hurland's fecked um, pretty much. 
Yeah, I, I, it was on the Wicklow border and, you know, it, it's, it's, you see, I think it, it sums up Liam Griffin as well, Eddie, like, it was a crack thing to do and a crack thing to people, those cars going by us and whatever, but he was very single-minded and, and I think one thing, and I'm sure Brian Cody, who's the most successful manager ever, will, will reiterate this, that you, you have to go with what you think yourself. So, Liam Griffin knew by doing that, if we were beaten by 10 points by Offaly that day, you know, this would be drawn and thrown at him for the rest of his life, basically, because that's the way hurling people are, really, you know. But he kind of, he, he was very single-minded in what he did. I'm not saying it won the Leinster final or whatever, but the last words he said, he talked about the blood in our veins. Poor Vincent Hogan, who's a great friend of mine, had said something about have we the blood in our veins to win a match? I don't know what. I think it was tongue-in-cheek as well, I think. But Liam used it very well. But Liam kind of said, just as we crossed the border, before we step out of our own county, we have to decide here now, at the end of all this about Vinegar Hill and that, that we're going to restore pride and honour in our county when we step back in. And it was very, very strong stuff. And, you know, it was great. It did put up. Now, I have to be honest with you, I, I'd be kind of a lad that would be walking along with my hands in my pockets. And I was walking with Shane Carley, you know, Shane. Yeah. Uh, that plays with Lynn down and Shane would be real Shane says to me yeah, oh, did you step this is alright he says but we're we're kind of saying we're not going to go back in across that border again if we don't win and I said what do we do if we lose and I just said to Shane look <laughs> we, can go, we can go down the dual carriageway I says we go down the nice dual carriageway Shane we'll be alright but we kind of got the, the, the funny side of it but it was only one other little element I'd say um, Eddie to kind of you know push this on and push the emotion on the one thing Liam Griffin did very well sometimes Eddie Wexford and look I, I'm very conscious that I'm talking on a, on a Kenny radio station Carlo who've won everything I mean why obviously we're the great one in a row team so I'm not telling people how, how to win or how not to win but the, the, the one thing about Wexford I suppose our passion for hurling is not based on success it's probably based on just a love of hurling right and I, I just think that the Vinegar Hill thing and that, and we would be very proud of our heritage in Wexford, as you know. I, I mean, you know, Vinegar Hill, uh, we are very proud of that. But it sometimes can be our Achilles heel because it can nearly become too emotional over the years and we, we kind of nearly lose the run of ourselves. But Griffin was a brilliant man to be able to use that. You know, even when we were marching towards Hill 16, it was Vinegar Hill. This was our Vinegar Hill in Dublin. So look up and think of it as Vinegar Hill. But he was a great man for being able to, what's the word, just make sure that that was going in the right direction and we weren't overdoing it, you know. And he used that kind of pride of your own county in a very, very good way to kind of, for our benefit, where sometimes emotion can lead you in the wrong direction, but he made sure it didn't lead us in the wrong direction, really. Yeah, no, it's vital. Like, you don't want to boil over either. You need to have no, just... No, <clears throat> no, you, you, can, you can go out on the field. He was very good at doing that and then making sure that you were totally calm when you left the dressing room to go out on the field, you know. He did, uh, when he, when everyone got back on the bus, it's one of the things I, I always, because uh, I hadn't heard of this one before, but I I was reading up on it a couple of weeks, a couple of, it was three or four weeks ago, I was reading an article that Liam had written and uh, he said when he got back on the bus, you know when you're on about funny things like you're saying about uh, Carly saying to you about what happens if we fucking lose? Well, <laughs> Liam sat down on the bus and there was, he said there was a, 
this awful silence for about maybe what felt like 20 minutes it was probably two minutes and he was sitting beside Rory Kinsler and Rory Kinsler turned around to him and said you bloody idiot and Lee Griffin looked at him and he said if we don't win today he said you may move because he said this is going to be absolutely on the front page of every paper you know for months and like you would say to yourself it's people look at it now and say what a stroke of genius but if that yeah. had went wrong it would have been what was that bloody idiot at you know but uh, I tell you the, and, and you're right, Eddie. He, he he could very well have been walking across the border back on his own. And <laughs> 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 uh, we wouldn't have let him down that way now, in fairness to him. But no, again, I keep going back. Liam, Liam didn't do the pushing your head into the dressing room table or that kind of stuff. He had a fierce resolve about him. And he was a tough man. He was a tough manager. He he hasn't got where he's got in life by being a, a rollover. But he, he, he always did it in a great way. And I, I'd say one thing, Eddie, that... If just say, for example, any of us had a problem at the moment, so say I had a problem, Stephen, I'd, I'd ring him now. I say, well, I've a bit of a problem. I just want to run it by you. I think that's a great testament to his management ability, isn't it? Oh, yeah. No, like that's just you know, and I, and I fell out him. him half the time. But, you know, he's he, he, he just and any of the lads will tell you that, you know, if there's something happens, something goes wrong the next minute, such and such as even, you know, in my own situation where texts, WhatsApp, lads, get onto the phone to ABC, he's after having a bit of bad luck or parent is there. You know, he's he's great. He's, st- he's still the boss, believe it or not. You know, he's still the boss. Well, that's 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 fair testament. I'm sure he would love to, to hear that as well. Um, you, you know, but the, the Leinster final itself, it was a massive day because, you know, Wexford needed a trophy. Uh, you know, in fairness to you all, you all stood up in the day, you stood up yourself, won five on the day. But the hysteria that hit Wexford straight after that match, like, was it almost impossible to try and rein you back in? Or, 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 you know, because I remember that. Like, I mean, the place went bananas, like. Ah, yeah. I, I, I tell you, Eddie, it was it was quite amazing. I, I had a wedding in Sligo the next morning, would you believe, on the Monday morning. Uh, a great friend of mine, Liam Turner, a very good hurler as well, was getting married and he scheduled his wedding for the next day. So I missed the, the homecoming. But there was a danger, Eddie. I mean, everybody in Wexford, there was nobody worked, I'd say, in Wexford on Monday. And there was a danger that that was going to be our All-Ireland. And again, how it was handled by Liam was, you know, and I, I know it's well documented as well, but we didn't train Tuesday, so he called us in to train on Wednesday. And we all arrived in a bit hungover now, if I'm being honest, and because we really, we, we know how to celebrate in Wexford. We, we, don't, we don't do it very often, but when it does happen, we know how to celebrate. But we arrived in on Wednesday to Wexford Park and Liam um, uh, got us, went out in the field. He got us all around in a circle around him. And he said, right, he said, have you, have you enough? Do you want more of this? And we said, we didn't really know what he was doing start. And we said, yeah, we want more. Well, he said, if you want more, he said, I want you to go home. They had a good night's sleep and we were starting training tomorrow evening. So we didn't train at all, just sent us home. And by the time we got back to the next evening, I think we had refocused ourselves. Just a simple thing, you know, that I think he realised the first training session could have been a disaster, you know, because like it was 18 years since we won a Leinster title. It wouldn't seem much in Kilkenny or counties like that, but it was huge for us and particularly for some of us that were after playing our whole career without winning anything really. Yeah, no, it's it's it is and like you say about Kilkenny, you know, it, it wouldn't seem like a long time. Like Kilkenny haven't won in All Ireland for what feels like an awful long time up here now. You know, it's going on six or seven years. But they were accused and you've seen this before, they were accused of not 
celebrating winning them the way they should be winning them you know you know that type of way and I think you'll find the next time Kilkenny win in All-Ireland that it'll be celebrated like you know the first one in, in, in 100 years because it is a long time and 18 years is a hell of a long time in Wexford but it was it was genuinely and I know it's you know you put it back down to Liam he'd done X, Y or Z but it, it was genuinely something that like if he hadn't have went on and won the All-Ireland I don't believe anyone would have held anything against any of that, uh, of that team in 96 you know I think the team had won Leinster and I think an awful lot of people were delighted with that yeah, I know there's no doubt. And I think in Kilkenny's situation, I saw in Buffers Alley myself, Eddie, we, when we were winning a good bit as well, people were asked, the alley don't celebrate. But I would turn that and say that it was more so not that we weren't celebrating. We were always trying to refocus on next year. And maybe that's why what made Kilkenny so successful. But I'm sure they celebrated a fair bit as well. Like, you know, but it, look, what seldom is wonderful. And it's like anything, um, you know, that. Like if it's if it's twenty years since you won it, you're going to celebrate more. If you've won it last year, you're not going to celebrate as much. But the other thing I was going to say there, Eddie, um, you know, the six years now since Kilkenny have won a Leinster title, my heart bleeds for the Meddy. No, it's <laughs> six years since they won an All Ireland title. They won Leinster <laughs> last year. It was only six years. I'm only joking because I often think, Eddie, and I hope you don't mind me saying this as well, that. Kilkenny and Wexford people are, are almost all the one, really, because you know that the rivalry that developed between, say, Tipperary and Clare during the Gerlock Nan era, it got a little bit over the top, I thought. You know, it was it was vicious, really. I don't think the Wexford-Kilkenny rivalry ever got to that level, really. I, I think there was always a kind of a, a closeness between the two <coughs> counties. And, you know, I, I we, we, there's nobody, nobody uh, admires Kilkenny and Kilkenny's attitude to hurling and to hurling more than Wexford people and you know what even when things weren't going well down here I think Kilkenny wanted this back a bit as well you know they they don't want to see Wexford going off the, the edge of the cliff either so I just think that there, there's a huge respect you know um, I just to say it and I, I just well I have a chance that I've I've great friends up there I've Ty Crowley the Cudahy's you know which is a, a great people that if there's ever anything I'd be on the phone to them but also just Lester Ryan as well um, is a great friend of mine and just to say that Christine, great friends, they're at me wedding and that and Harry and Johnny and you know, just I, I, I think of them a lot. So Rory Moore up there, we've we've some great friends up in Kilkenny and we're nearly all the one apart from the fact that they win a lot more than us, uh, Eddie. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm actually love, like I love living up here and, it, and it's great, but what's the funniest thing for me is being from Westmead Everybody in Kilkenny sees me as a Wexford man and for whatever reason everybody in Wexford now sees me as a Kilkenny man. So when Wexford yeah. play Kilkenny, if Wexford win, I get a load of text messages off the people from, you know, Kilkenny people who be texting me saying, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the Wexford people text me to say, up your ass and ha ha. And then if Kilkenny win, it's the voice that I'm sitting at home with my wife and she's from Galway and she'll just be in the knots laughing. She's like, would you put these people out of misery and, you know, tell them who you'd shout for if Wexford play Kilkenny. And I said to her, no, that can never happen because I wouldn't like to lose uh, the friendships I have with both counties. But I do see your point. I think the rivalry is very healthy and it's and it's good I, fun. I think it's a healthier, look, there's nobody we like to, be. I remember the 97 Leinster final after we beat Kilkenny, I felt the thing was, I, I won't say I'd die happy, but I'd won in All-Ireland and beaten Kilkenny in the Leinster final. And that, 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 you know, we always want to beat Kilkenny. They're always the barometer, probably to our detriment, they're our barometer over the years. But I just think that there's something very special. As I say, I, I was brought up tournament games, you know, against the Shamrocks and kind of watching me, you know, Tony Dorn and Mick Butler and them guys playing against the, the likes of, I, I always remember the tournament down in, in, in Ishtig, was it, yeah, in Ishtig where you, the boys used to talk out in the school and go across and, 
you know, play on the pitch there beside the river. And sure, a lot of my memories, would you believe, would be of Kilkenny and I was at Kilkenny County Finals. And, you know, did, did Kilkenny have a huge influence on, on, on not only me, but on Wexford Harling, really? I know it is. And, and, and like the point that you make about Wexford needing Kilkenny and Kilkenny needing Wexford, it's, it is, there's no, there's no better game. Like you take Nolan Park in three or four weeks' time when the Wexford yeah. team come in there. Yeah, I, I'm already looking forward to that. It's, it's the one game I think is going to light up the championship for both before I ask you a couple of questions to finish with I just want to bring you back to 96's homecoming um, sure. you know like you, you win the all Ireland final you stay in Crow Park that night you know stay in Dublin probably the Salorgan Park or wherever it was I don't know but the homecoming back to Wexford I mean it's the stuff I, I, I love you must get some kick out looking back on them old videos like the lads on the roof of Murphy floods and oh Jesus the gory there must have been seen. I, I don't know if there ever been scenes like it before or after. I, I don't think there was. And again, it was the, the distance time. But I remember coming into Gory. That was our, like, I'll tell you what was fantastic as well, Eddie. We came down through Arklow, down through Newtown, Mount Kennedy, all those places. And they were so unified with this. I think the country, for some reason, whether it was the purple and gold or whether we hadn't won before, but the country seemed to love the fact that Wexford won in All-Ireland, albeit it was very unlucky on Limerick. But we came down, I remember coming into Gore, we came in at the back of the stand, you know, at the back of the big trailer they had up, and it was facing up the main street, and I kind of looked, there was three or four hundred people behind us. I said, just I said, something, there's not as big a crowd here as I thought, but little did I realise it was the other side of the, tra- <laughs> uh, the thing that they were. And I looked up the street and I said, my God, and then on to Camol and the whole way along and then Escorty and then into Wexford, you know, down by the ferry carriage, you know, the lights, the fireworks going. It, <laughs> we do, I tell you, if we if we could win a bit more, we definitely do celebrations well, Eddie, you know, but a, a funny thing, real quick one, Eddie, there's a lot of people would know that there's some streets in Fishguard and there's a continuation of them in Wexford. I, I I won't go into that, but there was a guy, we have a couple of supporters in Fishguard, but a guy called um, Brian Morris came over, stayed for four weeks celebrating with us from Fishguard. He's a first cousin of the Sack Welsh. You'd know the Sack. Yeah, Eddie, of course. Who's a brilliant Wexford fullback and great, great friend of mine. But Brian came in about four weeks after the Gaelic Bar was packed, like, I mean, it didn't stop Eddie, you know. The Gaelic Bar was packed four o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday morning and the place was packed, so the guards kind of said to themselves, we have to do something. They walked up to the door, the doors were locked, knocked on the door, and Brian was coming out to go home, and uh, he had a great Welsh accent, but the guard said, no, no, you're going nowhere, get back in there. And Brian turned around and he says, look, I, I wouldn't be able to drink another drop guard, he said. There was an order back in, but I was just saying, the, cel- the celebrations, Colin Kyo said to me, Colin, the play cornerback, we had no idea what it would be like to win in All-Ireland. We never... We often wondered what it would be like to win an All-Ireland, but we'd never wondered what it was going to be like afterwards. And it, it was, it was an, a marvellous time to be a Wexford person. And even, you know something, Eddie, the, the dancing at the crossroads did help it. It's, it's not my favourite song in the world. I love the purple and gold, but it really did because every every dance, every hall, everywhere you went, it started up and the place went mad, you know. So it was a great time. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I have to say, because I'll have to touch you on that one because the song, 
the dad's not the crossroads. Wexford is just absolutely blessed. I, I remember being at a Jersey night a long time ago in Flannery's in Dublin. So I don't know if you know Flannery's, but back in the day yeah. they used to have a table quiz. I think it was the biggest <laughs> lie of all time that it was called a table quiz. But basically they rammed us in there anyway and gave you sheets of paper and it was hidden as a table quiz. But on their Jersey night, you wore your county jersey. But they'd play a song from each county. And then if you're in that said jersey, you'd have up on the table and go bananas. But for Wexford, they had Dancing at the Crossroads. They had Purple and Gold. The, that the camogie song that the girls had as well did that. Right. It's it's just uh, I think and, a, and 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 Eddie we hadn't haven't even touched on Bull of Oak or Cullen's son. Yeah, <laughs> so, do you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the boys of Wexford, yeah. this, uh, Kelly from <laughs> the boy from Callan. Yeah. And they're, they're just amazing. I mean, you know, George Lawler and and uh, Anthony Kearns last two weeks sang Cullen's song, and you know what? It, it, Tom Williams, the late Tom Williams, wrote it. Timon Man. It's an absolutely fabulous song. I, I tell you, that we're probably maybe we're more talented uh, musicians and songwriters than we are sportsmen. Uh, Jerry Butcher, or Eddie Butcher. Do you know what? At least we're talented to something, aren't we? No, but it's, no. I just, I just think it is. It's like because I, I, I see Limerick there, and, and I want to touch on this before I let you go, Tom. But the. the no, genuinely, for for the crack in the session afterwards, like Wexford do have, like if you think about it, you could go into a pub and just play Wexford songs for four hours and uh, yeah. be up on tables having the crack. There's not too many other counties that have that, but their songs yeah. in general are about famous sons of Wexford or daughters of Wexford that have achieved on a sporting field. So to That's me, right, yeah. it's 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 reverting back to how talented Wexford are at all the sports that they do. Tom, moving away from your own time in in in, in Harlan. I just want to, to touch on it now because as you pointed out earlier on you're a bit of a dinosaur yourself I'll explain the sweeper rule to you if you need me to but <laughs> um, but where we are today kind of looking at this year's hurling Championship um, I know it's probably the easiest thing in the world to say it's very hard to see by Limerick but like realistically if it is so hard to see past Limerick what do the other counties need to do? What What do you think is going to have to happen? Well I, 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 the Kilkenny team of the noughties and the tens and whatever that did, you know, they're the greatest team ever, uh, Eddie. You know, they, they're just incredible team. But this Limerick team, if they can keep going, can can put a dent in them. You know, I don't I don't know whether they can pass them out or whatever they can put. But at the moment, their physicality, their strength and depth, their method of hurling, their everything is just outstanding. I mean, it I, it's breathtaking. But yet, hurling is a funny game and you only need a couple of errors, you only need a few things to happen. I do believe, I do believe that Waterford, if things run right for them, Waterford almost frightened me that day up in, as I said to you earlier, up in Nolan Park. They have some intensity, they have some fantastic hurlers. They can put it up to Limerick at the moment, but it's very, very hard to see by Limerick, isn't it? But it's, I suppose, what what shocked me the last day watching the Waterford-Limerick game was, you know, Limerick were down one or two All-Stars then Keane goes off injured that's another All-Star you know yeah. another team would start kind of looking like they were going to crumble but the subs coming in the strength and depth there like I think the, the, the Kilkenny team you talk about it's well documented that the, the best 15 players in the country and probably the second best 10 if not 15 players in the country they had a yeah. massive panel and I think yeah. that's if you look at Wexford Kilkenny Waterford um and Cork once you go by 17, 18, 19 they, they do and I don't mean this disrespectfully to anybody they tail off a small bit whereas Limerick there's players I haven't heard of that are coming in and lighting it up you know 
Absolutely. And I, I think that, that just coincidentally, was it 2007 that Kilkenny probably had their greatest ever performance in All Ireland? 2008, wasn't it? Against uh, Waterford, against Waterford. Yeah. Would, Wouldn't it be, a, a time doesn't allow us, but wouldn't it be brilliant to bring those two teams into Pro Park someday to play each other? You know, I mean, sadly, sadly, we don't have any time machines that we can do that, but it would have been some game. But no, I, 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 I do, I do think that, you know, their, that their strength and depth is quite incredible. But, you know yourself, stranger things have happened, you know, and, and the likes of Clare are a big, strong team as well. That You know, I, I think Watford are, it looks probably sadly from our point of view that it's Munster that's going to bring the biggest threat to Limerick. And, you know, some are saying now that there's two championships. There's one to see who's going to play Limerick in the final and there's then the final again Limerick. But, you know, stranger things have happened. But I, I don't think I'd be putting the house on anybody else at the moment, would you? No, I think, like, like for me, I think, Limerick, if Limerick are going to get caught, they're going to have to get caught in a quarter final or semi final. The way that the setup of the championship is, the likelihood is, like, you know, just say Limerick are going to win Munster and that puts them in, a, in an All Ireland semi final. Like, Kilkenny did catch Limerick in an All Ireland semi final. And I remember I was in Crow Park that day. And I remember after about 20 seconds, I uh, had Colin Fenley back to score the first goal, so I do remember him burying it. But I remember after about 20 seconds, there was a bit of a, a rook, as they call it, and there was a few lads going for ball. But the Kilkenny lads went in like men possessed, and they were burying these Limerick lads. And I remember thinking, this is going to be a war. And <laughs> Kilkenny out-muscled them and physically bullied them off the field and, and yeah. won that game. Now, Kilkenny didn't win the All-Ireland. Tipperary went and won the All-Ireland. And I actually think that... If Limerick are to be caught, someone's going to have to go out there and it's not going to be easy because they're big men, yeah. but they're going to have to match yeah. them physically. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. But do you know what's after happening though as well, Eddie? I think that Limerick team of 2019, that that day, they've they've almost added in the region of 50% to their physicality, haven't they? To, to their conditioning. to where They just seem to be getting stronger, stronger and stronger, you know. Now, the only thing I still think that if Keane Lynch was injured for a particular period of time, if the likes of Kyle Hayes was injured, you know, if the likes of Gerard Hegarty happened to get injured, that can happen as well. And there's an awful lot, there's an awful lot, you know, the way the championship is played this year, there's an awful lot of games coming one after another. But, you know, but in, in kind of balancing that, Limerick are better able to cope with the loss of players. But, you know, there's some players that sometimes you'd be better not losing. And, you know, there are a number of things that can happen. There is no doubt about that. But sure, maybe the Cats will put it up to him again this year. Yeah, look, you wouldn't know. But then, look, like as you say about Limerick, and I think, like you said it about Liam Griffin from 95 to 96, he used that time to fix the mistakes he'd made in 95 to learn from them, moved on. I wonder, did Limerick look at their team in 2019 and say, look, we got out-muscled here, we got out-bullied here, we're big, tall men, but we need to be stronger, we need to, you know, maybe that's what they've done and, and, and they're creating... A, a very very big force to beat just before I let you jump off on there's me one thing, Eddie, there's one thing Eddie one as well and I think it's important that I, I was talking to a number of Limerick people who are up for the National League here in, in town and they're very much of the opinion all the Limerick people that that 2019 beating for Limerick was one of the best things funnily enough in retrospect that happened because they felt that that beating was somewhere in the pipeline and it actually has made them stronger since now again that 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 is their that's their their way of looking at it, you know. And I can see why because I remember when Limerick won the All Ireland in twenty eighteen. I think it was 2018. I remember chatting to a lad and he'd said to me that Limerick over celebrate. They go mad. They'll be going to schools in February with the the Liam McCarthy. You know, it's not like other counties that put it up on the shelf and focus on next year. You know, because that's gone now. Um, 
and I think Limerick got caught in the long grass and that won't happen again I think whoever beats Limerick will win in All-Ireland I think we'll both agree on that whoever whoever yeah, does but, it but you know what don't discount Watford I, there's just something telling me that there's something something in them you don't think they've played their cards yet I, t- I think there's going to be something in, in this Watford team yet I'm not saying it'll beat Limerick but by God it'll be one hell of a battle when they go head to head in a neutral stadium the, the biggest problem they both well they both have or not both have but maybe Watford has there there could be a little bit of traps on the way for them but still think there's something there it's not a gimme Eddie I don't think it's a gimme to be honest with you yeah no I I, I wouldn't discount it just just on Wexford before I let you go obviously a very disappointing result against Dublin in Wexford Park you don't want to be losing your home games um, Dara's there into his first year in charge really they had a quite a strong league campaign. It wasn't dissimilar to Davy Fitzgerald's first year in charge, a, a strong league campaign. If I remember rightly, I think in Davy's first year in charge, they got to the league semi-final. I think they played Tipperary in Nolan Park in the league semi-final in his first year in charge. They won what would have been, say, 1B and, and, and ended up there. But, you know, as it stands right now, you know, how, how, how are you feeling? How's, what's the general mood in Wexford at the moment with Hurland? I I um, have to say, uh, Eddie, I, I think that in fairness to Dara, he has, what's the word, done a good job for the first day. Like he's only six months in the job, really, six or seven months now in the job, and he's done a good job. He's had to bring in and look for younger talent. He's probably wanted to change the style a little bit, and it is a work in progress. The Dublin, the, the fact that we, maybe we didn't have Lee Chin last weekend for the start of the Dublin game possibly didn't help us, but I just think he's doing a good job. We we were not over endowed with resources, if you know what I mean. I mean, you know, we don't have as much underage success as maybe the Kilkenny's, the Limericks of this world. But I think that he's going in the right direction. It would have been nice, I have to say, to get that result over over Dublin and not to have to maybe get something. Hopefully, get over Leash and Westmead, which is not a gimme either. But that we get we get something that we have to get somehow Kilkenny. I think if we could get something out of Kilkenny and qualify, it would be a fabulous year. We may not do that now at the moment, but I think he's he's going through the process that has to be gone through really at the moment because we need to kind of create a few leaders for the future as well. And I think that's what he's trying to do. And will the people and county board and everybody of Wexford be patient enough with Darry? Do you think that's... Do, <laughs> well, do you know what I mean? You, 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 you know yourself, um, uh, Darry, or uh, Eddie, that... Supporters by their nature are are not never patient really to a certain extent because in Wexford sometimes we're either up there in the heights or we're down on the ground and we're very at the moment it's probably most important for Wexford supporters to be in the middle and just keep the expectation a little bit I think the expectation are too high at the moment but not get too downhearted because it could take a period of two or three years to where we're going to be challenging for um you know major silverware I thought maybe would we could maybe we will still get maybe close to a Leinster I think that was our aspiration this year but it could take a couple of years it's 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 going to be not going to be an incredibly quick process it could be slower slower than normal process Okay no on, on that note Tom I, 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 I'll thank you uh, very much for your for your time and for your openness and, and honesty it's been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you I do really appreciate you taking my call Thanks very much, Eddie, and, and apologies if I went on a bit too long there. No, you're absolutely brilliant. Uh, that is, of course, Tom Dempsey joining me on this week's Clash Act. Uh, I look forward to speaking to you all again next week with another hurling legend, and I'll leave it there.